Hi guys, Jeff here. This is the second half of a two-part conversation with Andrew Chow talking the origins and cultural impact of Boba Guys. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure to go back and listen to that first. Welcome to the catch-up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor-in-chief, and... Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch up. One day, when our job is done, our kids will not have to think boba's weird. Just like sushi. I'm not going to die from bacteria, from raw fish. The way they thought about that in the 80s, well, now, poke is everywhere. Like, how, when will that be? Smoothies, you know, smoothies are been around, but they've always, they took a while to kind of like ramp up to make that normal. All we're trying to do is make it, make it normal. And then once, especially in America, we stopped thinking, well, that's exotic. You're like, uh, there's 3 billion people that eat that, or that's crazy. And I'm like, well, 1 billion people have that. How is that crazy? It's just to you it isn't, but America, we have to stop thinking we're the only thing in, that exists in the world. I travel, Ben and I are kind of known for being very global travelers. And every time, you know, we're going to, I just came back from Spain, you know, and I look at architecture and I'm like, this is super nerdy if you're in art history, this is my art history portion, is uh, <laughs> is like the Mudejar kind of architecture in this Andalusia, Spain, which is where I just came back from. I'm a huge history nut and, and you think about, in this case, it's like crazy stuff because there's wars about this, is like, you know, the, the Moors and the Moorish architecture combining with the Catholic architecture and the Christianity, Orthodox Christian stuff. And you see, you're literally walking in, whether it's Cordoba or... Um, um, it's where, a crazy chapel with the, the two sides yeah. of, of the... What was that one called? I, I was just there uh, too, I forgot. Sagrada? There's the... Uh, whatever. Beautiful chapel, it's humongous, it's the tallest... Oh, the, the the theater. So the the cathedral. Yeah. And yeah, it was based off of a Moorish temple, and then they kind of different based on who was reigning took over, and the kings kind of rebuilt it. And now you have like this thing that looks like marble and Christian, like with these giant buttresses and columns. And right behind it, you turn around, and it's like the the Moorish kind of like Muslim architecture. To me, it exists right now in 2019. That was I. Oh, I'm gonna get blasted from my art history. I think it's like what almost a millennia ago, like 500, 800 years ago, that, well actually, no, for that, that goes almost uh, two millennia. I mean, it's the original groundbreaking. So like, when you look at what happened in that part of, in this case, Andalusia, that's, food is the same way. You're looking at that Roy Choi's Korean taco. He, cre- I don't compare like the cathedral to Roy Choi, but like, Roy Choi, I think. That taco's like, fire though. It is, good. <laughs> but that, that's what it is. Hopefully they'll think of boba guys like they'll think um, not in that way, but like anything that was just too. It's weird in maybe the moment while they're building and chipping away at that temple. They're like, shouldn't we just tear this whole thing down? Or like they're like, no, let's respect like that part of it because to, in that culture, that actually was very symbolic. And I know we don't agree, we don't have the same faith, but they kept that intact because what would we? What happens when? Because they had when they take back, take it back, which 
obviously did happen. To me, that's just food. That's just entertainment. And I look at Bruno Mars, like I'm, I'm going everywhere now, but like Bruno Mars and the whole thing, whether or not he was allowed to make music that sounded like Michael Jackson or Prince. And I'm like, he openly talks about his inspirations. He says, I grew up, he was a Michael Jackson impersonator essentially when he was a kid, right? And he gives credit exactly of where he got those ideas from. And then his music, is it a ripoff? Is it, no, it's 2019 he just, or 18. He interpreted it from his childhood. What's wrong with that? He said where it came from, he honored it, he did everything. To say that's not kosher or not cool or whatever, to me, it kind of sets everything back because our whole history is built on this kind of respect for other cultures. We just figure, sadly, we're reacting to the disrespect of it. We need to remember that historically we genuinely respect because I don't want to gloss over because somebody's going to be like, oh, well, there was what you just referenced was like there was wars and people died over that. That is 100% true. It was very heated at the time, 100% true. But we can have versions of that dialogue with less at stake and it shows it's possible and it shows good can come out of all that craziness. And, and that's, I mean, that, that when you're talking about Kogi and you're talking about uh, our man from All Flavor No Grease, they talk mm -hmm. about food essentially yeah. like bringing groups together, gangs together. This is like they're in a divide when yeah. you're like in his part of LA and they meet over food. Mm -hmm. So like it is more, it's nerdy, but it is more and deeper than food, but it's built off of it. Yeah, I hope in the time capsule, when this podcast goes in time capsule and some our kids listen or 50 years or 100 years from now and they, they pull this episode up, they're gonna be like, yo, I remember when like, uh, you know, like when Korean tacos were a th like just came out and he was, you know, you know, somebody was getting crap for it. And we're like, there's this boba shop that was, all it was was milk tea done in American style, which is like, and milk tea is a British. And yes, it came from Asia because the Asians, Asians uh, the Chinese gave tea over, and, and I'm not glossing over the opium war here, which is what caused the rife, the, the kind of strife between the UK or the, the British and the um, China because of the trade imbalance. We're talking about, I mean, that's real stuff still, but at the end, the product of it <coughs> exists, and you can still enjoy the product without you know getting mad at what caused the product, and I think, we just have to respect it. I think it goes back to this whole, like we need to have healthier versions. We need to land, we're gonna have to land the plane somehow. The way we're gonna land the plane, it has to be somewhere safe. Landing a plane on arguing or debating or like on just appropriation isn't gonna make it sustainable for the future. Cause that wasn't the conversation they had a hundred years, a millennia ago. I'm pretty sure the, there wasn't a version of appropriation. At that time it was like, that was cool, let's use it. Mm. Now we're just having more sophisticated dialogue. In Asia, there's no such thing as appropriation, sadly. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, that looks great. I mean, the best pizza's in Japan. You know, like, I mean, we have, you have a whole Ugly Delicious episodes about this stuff. Or um, Chris Ying has a great book, is, um, uh, what was it, You and I Eat the Same or something? Oh, great book, Chris Ying from um, Lucky Peach. I think uh, his uh, we reference it a, quite a bit. And You and I Eat the Same, like, you know, what is like mushu pork and the, or the wrap, uh, yong being like French onion pancake, like is that batter base gonna be similar to a tortilla? Like, well, one's corn, one's not, but what makes wraps universal? We need to remember that's kind of like how society moves. So, yeah. Andrew, I feel like a lot of the things that you've taken personal stances on um, when we're talking about being really early with the straw ban and then obviously seeing where 
uh, plastic bands are coming mm-hmm. through now. You're on. I feel like on the if you're measuring culture, I think this is biased, but you're on the winning side of that dialogue culturally. Mm-hmm. I think when you guys choose to do pride f- with a for something, at least talking about it on your site and implementing mm-hmm. it in merchandise yeah. and stores, you're on the winning side culturally of that debate. If there's a point in time where you have to potentially sacrifice big parts of your business in order to continue to mm. y- you ha- in order to um, if you have to sacrifice part of your business because you take those stances, even though you know it's the right stance, mm-hmm. how much of your business are you willing to sacrifice? Are you are you? If the legacy of Boba guys doesn't necessarily live on, but be your sta- because of your stance, it affects the culture mm-hmm. in a bigger way. I don't know how much are you willing to to risk. That's a. I mean, I think. I mean, this is like you're talking to me. Like my, my mentors ask the same thing. They're like, uh, you know, like you 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 uh, you put yourself too much out there. Like you don't need to cause. You don't need to be in the middle of everything. And we're not. We we obviously choose. There's a lot of topics we don't even talk about. Um, we've purposely stayed out of. So, I will say this. Like, um, there's a the con- most co- recent controversial call that we made was was I actually surprisingly didn't get too much heat for it because it came up in our team and it was about the MAGA hat. Mm. And I'm from California, I'm from San Francisco. Everybody knows, should know where we stand. I don't think I need to be explicit about that. I'm a minority, like I love Hamilton. I mean, come on, you know you know what side of the world we're on. But that being said, like there was this uh, restaurant in San Francisco that banned the MAGA, uh, in the Bay Area that man, banned the MAGA hat. And love that place actually, and people Tenji's place, right? Yeah. And I get his view, um, and he has a voice too, and he uses his platform for many great things, and including that stance. For us, it was again, going back to this analogy of landing a plane, I can't land a plane and banning people. I just, I don't think it settles there. Because, and I have 300 plus employees at the time, or more now, but like, I was like, what am I gonna teach my employees? I have 20 year old kids, college students, many of them. They're gonna see me, am I gonna just then say, not to be like, they look up to me and any of them listening right now, they're gonna be like, oh my God, like my boss is so lame. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what this is. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> uh, but I was like, are they gonna then like, like if just because you don't agree, like kick them out. And so my stance is, people don't know, is I don't ban them, but I'm like, if you cause trouble, the moment you just, you're on, you're on, you're on the radar, but I'm not into banning. It's just because I just don't think it creates dialogue. It comes back to, dialogue, it, we forgot how to talk about difficult things. Even me saying this on a podcast, I'm like thinking about through my head, is somebody like going to take one of my quotes. Take a sound bite. Yeah, and, and, and Put say. Put in a headline. Yeah, and, and I know that goes, and I am like, well, how that works is we ultimately need to figure out how this whole, that's why I like long form. I really like podcasts like this, especially this is really deep. For, for food, it's the deepest I've ever gone, I think. Yo, but it's the hottest podcast. <laughs> it is. I'm it's totally hot. unbiased, but like. <laughs> best, best hot to, yeah, best podcast of all damn time. No, I, I it is, I think food, I really, and I listened to our other friends do the show, and I was like, yo, I was even prepping for this, I was like, how deep do I go? Because I know with you guys, I can go, re- and I did. we are going so fucking deep. And the, cause it's all about culture, you know, Bobby hundreds, like it's him, it's all about culture too. So I think I'm thinking if it's about culture, it's about being, 
we're not afraid to say what we are, who we are. So if we say nothing, I w- as I said earlier, we're gonna be complicit. And enough of my team was asking, they were like, so Andrew, what do you think about what Kenji did and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, I love this place, you know, but I have to say I don't agree. And then enough people said, then you have to say that because everybody thinks you're one or two sides. And I'm like, but if I say it, people are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have people, I'm sure some, one side's gonna get mad at me. And sure enough, there are a couple people who just, on my team, they openly disagreed with me. When I, when I, told, when I had a leadership meeting, a couple people were like, mm, I, they even shook their heads when I made the announcement. And uh, it was right before the blog post went public. What is the announcement for people that have n- oh, no clue sorry. whatsoever? What um, did you say publicly? I said that we don't, we won't ban MAGA hats because I think it um, stops dialogue. And the goal is bridging culture. You, you can't achieve the mission of bridging cultures if I ban MAGA hats. That being said, uh, I said, if you are reading and you're like wanting to cause trouble or just instigate, we're not about that too. We have cameras everywhere, so don't instigate either because you have to respect our side. It's the same way if I'm wearing like, I'm on a pride shirt and I'm walking to a place. Like, I mean. The, you wrote it well in your blog post. If yeah. I walked in with the Dodger jersey that I'm wearing right now into the Giants yeah. stadium and I said F you to the Giants fan next to me, mm-hmm. you reap what you sow. Like you exactly. know what you're, you, you are bringing that energy. And so that's a different energy than uh, that I think we all understand. Yeah, but if you're you're literally Jeff, you're wearing a Dodger hat in front of me, uh, and I'm oh, I'm not wearing a hat, but I'm I'm a big Mets fan, and we're like going to play you guys. Uh, you guys are going to keep keep us in the playoffs or knock us out because uh, we're on the border. But I'm like civil conversation. All right, but the moment you start trash talking, I'm hanging up. You know, I'm like <laughs> I'm gone, and I, I think that's ultimately like right now a lot of people just trying to cause cult uh, trouble and culture on purpose, and I'm like. We're not literal. We forgot how to. We're getting into like deep culture stuff. But like, if you, I'm bicultural. I'm I'm Asian and I'm also um, Western American culture. And there's this theory, especially Chinese people say this all the time. So, I mean, we're having an impending World War Three. It seems like, like, and people always ask me. You're like, you're between two two, two two cultures. Which one do you side on? I'm like, well, I'm American. I'm obviously American, so I side with American culture. But if there's one thing Americans should learn how to do is have a global perspective. I think that is 100% true. If you're Middle Eastern. If you're Asian, like you have to like just think there's a world outside of your your world. And so the big one is in America, we have words for everything. We have one of the largest vocabularies. Um, and people always ask, because I translate, what's that word in English or what's that word in Chinese or Mandarin? And in Mandarin, there's just not that type of subtlety. Uh, or Chinese, there's there's no like words for certain things that we have and in America. And America, we try to make it super concrete. So we need everything spelled out because we're a combination of multiple languages ourselves. We're like Germanic and, and you know, go into our linguistics. We have we pull from like three main kind of bulk languages and I think, or derive from that. And I think that maybe is a good and bad thing but it means everything needs to be spelled out. So there's this great book called The Culture Map, which a lot of business people read. If you do business across the world like I do, you have to read this book called Culture Map. And Culture Map talks about certain cultures have certain concreteness. So America is like super extreme. We need everything black and white, concrete. Whereas Asian culture, um, so a lot of people say is indirect. They didn't really mean that. Like, oh, but you didn't say that. But I didn't really mean that. Like, but there's all this subtext because the language is, is built with less words and there's more uh, uh, kind of- late. Nuance? Yeah, nuance. Americans were like, it's why the stereotypes 
in this case, not all the time, but this one plays true. Like if I'm, I have to code switch all the time. Well, I, I'm in Asia, I was just in Japan and then in Spain. I'm like turning off my American hat and I'm actually more of an Asian hat over there because I just, they just look at me and they think I'm Asian. So they start speaking and saying konnichiwa and all this stuff. And um, in Asia, they start speaking to me in my native tongue. So like right away, I am code switching. I come back to America, then I, then I especially the Bay Area, I'm thinking, oh shoot, like uh, I have to be more PC. I have to like, not offend somebody. And then like, and over there, you're just gonna say, that's just not the way it is. And it's just more point blank. And then you read between the line and you can kind of see where the meaning is coming from. Here, you're like, but you literally said that you didn't uh, like cancel culture. And I'm like, ah, I just don't think it's great. But what I'm really saying is the larger perspective is not sustainable. That's what I'm saying. But you don't have to explain all of that in Asia. Yeah. But here you're like, ah, one soundbite and it goes viral. So I think we need to be very careful in food, especially because we have this whole appropriation thing, and like we can't have the conversation keeps on like going in circles. We're not going to get out of it. The plane again keeps on circling and circling, and circling. We need to land. As an Asian American entrepreneur, that I think at least from the media perspective and. Well, I think all perspectives. You run a successful business on the, from the outward appearance, right? I don't, I don't know your revenue. I don't know your margins. I don't know your profitability. I don't know your growth plan. I think it's doing well. I think the average person looks at it and sees it and does well. Do you feel, even though you're passionate about issues, do you feel that there's a third party pressure for you to speak up on Asian American issues because you have this soapbox, because you have this profile? And do you do it for more than yourself? Or is it something you're just interested in? Because uh, I'm, I'm just kind of curious of that Asian American. You should speak on this when mm-hmm. I don't want to. Like, yeah. I yeah, you probably get that if you're, if you're hosting this <laughs> show and you're, you're Asian. I'm going to do you have to speak for your. Oh, yo, like, every people are weird, bro. So <laughs> 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 they don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> I, I just think. Um, it's a good question. I would say in the early days, I didn't really, not to be like, I didn't really care. I'm like, man, I am a little more, I think there's two types, in America, there's two types of Asians. This is if I want to get into the Asian diaspora kind of identity, and then maybe other, actually, I know other minorities identify. There's the Asians in Cali. There's the NorCal and LA Asians, maybe Seattle, or maybe Houston, where uh, they just, in parts of New York, Queens, like they're super like Asian, 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 because that's all they know, and because they're in the majority. Cupertino, uh, San Gabriel Valley, 626. And, but I'm a New Jersey Asian. My, ben is a is like a rural Texas Asian. So I generally see both the Asian side and the white mm-hmm. side because I never, I felt both othered, but I've also felt in the majority. So that's why I'm generally sympathetic. People say Andrew could be an Uncle Chan because he sympathizes with white people. I'm like, no, it's just because I see both sides of everything because I'm a global person. I travel the world, my job makes me travel all over the world for sourcing. I have to know my food trends and I generally do a lot of media so I have to always stay because all these people try to like they try, test They try me. to get you. They always try to test me and I'm like, I don't know everything, I'm not perfect. So like, like, have you seen that boba shop? Did you know what that was? Did you see that trend? And I'm like, yo, like it is rare though, one to one, that somebody knows more about boba and drink culture more than Ben and I, it's rare. But. I will. I can't keep up. I don't know everything about alcohol or or coffee or tea. There's some sure tea alone. You know, people are way better than me in tea. That is 100 percent true. 
I'm not out to even say we're the best. So in the beginning of Boba Guys, I was definitely not even trying to own that because I knew, because I still feel this to this day, I'm not an expert. This was all by accident. What maybe I want, I knew I had a mission, but I didn't think it was gonna be successful because I'm, 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 mod, I'm not modest, but like I'm, I'm conservative with kind of where I th think we, we need to be. And even to this day, you know, like people do ask, Yo, like uh, you, you the next Starbucks or what? You, you, uh, you, you rich or what? Like you're like this boba mogul, and I'm like, I don't know. I, on paper, I, I do think we. I, I've heard we are the most. I think the most profitable cafe model in I think America. I hear that that's what we are. That's why everybody's cloning us. We're clones everywhere. You know, like whatever the quote is, often imitated, Never not duplicated. duplicated. Yeah, like I didn't even know that was thing, but then I my texts. I probably once a week I get like a clone. Hey, did you see this? I'm in, um, there's a recent one in Vietnam where they literally made Boba guys in Vietnam. I think that's actually a pretty funny one because they had a logo, they had our wall. Oh shit. Uh, so Vietnamese people or Vietnamese Americans specifically were texting me saying, hey, I'm here. Have you seen this? And I was like, what? I actually thought it was our store for a split second. And then I look closer and I'm like, that's not even our store. But the logos had our logo on the cup. The oh, cups had our logo, I swear. And I was like, whoa. And that's so why I made a joke on the line. I'm like, hey, it's not us. So this is me being very like, uh, I'm, we're been in, my co-founder and I are known to be kind of like know culture really well. So we're always like, what's the cultural answer for this? So I, this is, I put this on Insta the other day or last week and I was like, hey, I just found out about Vietnam just to clear the air. We, that's not us. Uh, apparently I didn't file my IP protection early enough, which is true. That's, see, I'm not <laughs> like, I'm stupid. I went to business school and like didn't do that. I didn't protect, I didn't think somebody was gonna fully clone us the way they did with Apple, because I'm not Apple, so I didn't think it was gonna happen. But then I said, but uh, they can't reproduce our merch. So here's the deal. I'm gonna drop a merch cart, and I'm gonna like sell merch off of there. What do you think about that idea? And then the big one was, this kind of went mini viral, because I saw it reshared quite a bit. As I said, oh, um, and in a separate post, I said, by the way, um, um, this is uh, the founder of Boba Guys, and if you're in Vietnam right now, we're offering free boba <laughs> to our Vietnamese <laughs> store, and it's on us. Um, they'll take care of you, and that's what I did. <laughs> True Yo, story. I love that, dude. True story. I was like, I said, you know what? If we're culture, like Ben and I were racking our brain. I was like, what is it? And I, I, I was like, Yo, what about this idea? I thought he was gonna go. Thought, oh, that's too. That's too crazy. And I'm like, Nope. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not really us. And everybody knows the joke in America. Yo, that's some rap yeah. beef though. You know, some rappers will buy out shows of their competitors. So when they show up to perform, it's fucking empty. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> like, shoot. That's kind of what you did. That's, that's tight. It's like Boba Guys Vietnam versus Boba Guys US. Wait, you can't go after them? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't even, our lawyers are looking into it right now. Uh, I don't, I really don't, that's why I don't, half of this stuff, I don't even know what's legal, what's not. But like, I, I'm, I know roughly what's, I know roughly, I, mean, I did have to like learn about it. I, I I think you know more than the average person if it's legal. I think we can set precedent. The problem was, I think there's, it, in Vietnam, There's some countries are more about precedence, some yeah. are about like file first or whatever this thing is or who makes the product first. I think Vietnam is, we, I think we have to go back. If we say we're the original IP owners, we might be able to say, hey, we. it's called, uh, there's different ones you file like WIPO. Uh, we did that for other countries, you just didn't do it with Vietnam. And maybe that's maybe that's our fault. That's why like the business side of me is like, oh man, fair game. So that's why I'm like, <laughs> that's why I'm like, 
Yo, all right let's let's do it the other way that's so self-aware <laughs> like yo fair game because i didn't file this like the emotional side of eli and i would be like fuck these guys oh yeah, yeah. but and yeah. i know you are to a certain degree but i'm just saying that it's, it takes a very self-aware person to be like should have done that man it's kind of fair game yeah but dope shade though i, I kind of respect <laughs> the shade that well, you put they, on well it. if you could i always say if you could you know if you could dish it out, you'd be able to take it. And because we are now loud in our kind of our platform, then it is like, I have to be able to handle the, the clones. It's like, it's like I look at the people I look up to, Patagonia, Apple, everybody, the good ones really that I respect, they all got ripoffs. So what are they gonna do? And then because I, whether it's in media and, and our persona and our, our the conferences that people pay to listen to us, like I'm, I now know that people want to hear about culture from us because I do now know we have a very strong point of view, and I hear from the feedback that we're good at it. So now, now that I own it, to me, when, instead of being mad, I would say three, four years ago, I was definitely mad because I was mad. I would have been mad at Yelp, Yelp reviews, and I'm like, that's unfair. But you have to learn, and it was before I met you guys, like people like in in kind of media, and a lot of my friends were like, let's just say, I don't want to name drop, name check, but like there's just people that I know and if you check on Instagram who we know um, that are influencers, they help coach me to be like, yo, those comments, your Yelp reviews or comments, that's natural. Cloning, if you had a good video, somebody's gonna clone that video. If you had a great podcast and a good segment, like look at the late night show wars, you know, like, you know, you have late night trying to copy each other's segments. That is gonna be, that's gonna be true inevitable. of all good things. Yeah, exactly. And so if you have that mind and you think you're someone who's good at reading culture and have a really broad perspective, Ben and I literally spent like an, a night texting about creative ideas. So we didn't, weren't mad at all. When we found that out, I texted him. He found out through me, I think. I He goes, what do you think? And we're like, oh, well. And so we didn't, neither of us were mad. We're like, oh. And me being kind of like, I'm known for like, that's why I hate being, I don't even say I'm a CEO. I'm technically what you would call a CEO, but I don't like, I'm chief Boba officer, but people know me for my like wilder personality. So my personality really does, I'm not faking it. Like I really am just like, like, like trolley or like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, ah, well let's do it our way. Like let's, that's where we came up with it. And now people are like, uh, I've got some DMs where people were like, yo, for my, not related to food business, but other businesses like bags, fashion that got cloned, they actually are using our method. I was like, all right, that's true. It probably worked for purses and anybody else that has a cloned store. And so I was like, well, I'm glad I could help. And so for me, I just, it's about culture because that's gonna be a part of culture. This whole like copycat, you know, I follow a, a, a account called Diet Prada, right, for fashion. And it, it's all about um, copycats in fashion. And I, it, they're a little, I like them a lot, but I just think sometimes their tone is a little too out there. I like what they do though. And so I generally take it back a little bit and kind of, I've I've also reposted people who are like, you repost competitors and clones all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna give a shout out to this random boba shop in North Carolina. <laughs> they cloned everything. I think they're called Boba Baba or whatever. I didn't realize this. They literally cloned us pretty much our drinks, our signatures, even the line art, everything cloned. And then they went to our tea supplier to kind of get our tea. This is all true, no shade, because I reposted and I said, dude, your layering technique is really good. And I have no future. We're not gonna go to North Carolina in the next anytime soon. I would love to, it's just that we don't franchise. So I, we're also, we, I, we own every one of our, our stores. stores. 
So North Carolina just isn't on the roadmap. So I really, when I say, when I reposted him, people thought I was being snark. I was like, it was all positive. I was just like, good layering technique. It's actually of all the clones I've seen, not a bad one. <laughs> and that's all it was. I didn't even say of all the clones I've seen. I posted it, it was all positive. But in my mind, people think I was trying to be snarky. And I would DM people who were saying, whoa, that's a lot of shade. I was like, no, I actually do think it was, of all the clones, I get a lot of clones. There's like probably, like I save them all on my Instagram uh, account. So on my saved is probably like 300 by now. And of all the clones I've seen, whether it's the strawberry matcha lattes or the line art with an animal or our white wood aesthetic, which is not really clonable. I mean, it's not really something we own. I don't think that's a clone. But other things like right away we did Korean banana milk and next two months later, people started dropping banana milk or banana foster milks and all this stuff on. I'm like, hey, you know what? I told you where I took it from. All I'm saying is maybe give a little bit of a shout out to Boba guys. If not, no problem. But if I say you're a clone, don't get mad if I say you're a clone. Like it goes, it has to go both ways. That shit will drive you crazy otherwise. I think food yeah. game is just like the content game. Like it is. When we started, we were doing hack videos on YouTube. And then when that shit started popping off, I remember, yeah. that was our first big pieces of like YouTube content. We'd show people how to eat an apple the right way, mm -hmm. or how to eat a cupcake. And sure enough, someone with more money, like BuzzFeed comes around, yep. I don't care, throw the shade. And like, <laughs> and then they do it. We're like, it, to be honest, I was much younger and it would bother me. I was like, man, I don't like, we're not here with like millions of dollars throwing this shit, the content. Like yeah. Jeff told me this idea and I put it in a video and we made it here and this is us. And then like, but you know, over now when I see stuff, I'm just like, yo, man, there's a lot of content out there. It's bound to cross over. Exactly. And that's what what can you do? Like, but that's where I I would hope, which is why I kind of chose this podcast to kind of like really kind of give you guys all like the talk. And also because I knew, I listened enough that I knew we would have great conversation, which is awesome. And I hope people listening would find out. Oh, that was really deep. It was not what I expected from a boba talk. Um, <laughs> is like I think you guys have a different type of following. Like I, I remember I remember your original content. I think you guys also did it. We did your Food Beast Festival, right? Yeah, you did right? Festival. Yo, so yeah. good, news, the strawberry orchata. Yeah, yeah, yeah did, that I, drink was awesome. So that's yeah. why we have history. So that's, it wasn't me just like, let's get on the podcast. It was, we were very like deliberate. I'm sure you guys know, like you, you can get overexposed pretty easily. So, and you know, I can't say what we said today, 15 times over, we'd be like, oh, I heard them say this on that podcast and that. I say I purposely, it's all about culture. So culture also isn't about overexposure because that's generally not how taste making works. You know, you can't be, you know, can't be the gap of boba. Like we have to, we're now known more as kind of like the leader. So again, years ago, didn't embrace it at all. So I didn't even, sorry if I answered your question about Asian America, like I didn't want to, I really didn't. I, I grew up in New Jersey and I, that Jersey kid in me was like, why are we fighting over race? There's other aspects to my identity, you know? Like, and I understand, like I'm, and I, my undergrad, and I almost did my PhD in this, which is why people listening would be like, that's why Andrew talks like that. It was like, I literally was like, you know, at Berkeley, top sociology program in the world. My specialty is social psychology. The reason why I drop almost so much theory is because I literally almost did a PhD in this. Because the way I see the world, people see like the matrix is like, I literally see social dynamics. I, my, everybody will tell you, I have a really horrible memory. But I'll remember small things about people and names and how people know each other, what school they went to. Uh, it's For me, it's straight up like, I'll remember that's why I met you know one of your colleagues, Reach. I know everything about Reach in our conversation from that one conversation in person. I remember Food Beast, I didn't even have to look that up. I remember what it was through all the interactions we had. 
but I forget my, where I leave my keys. I forget, you know, like my own phone number password. <laughs> uh, true story. And so like, I'm like, which one was it? Did I use this number or this number or like, and then like, I had to go through three passwords and I locked myself out. Like, like that's, but now, so it's more of like my imperfections, I started embracing. And that's maybe in the last three years, really most people will say in media, people have said Boba guys really took off three years. And it was because we started changing on kind of our, our MO. We started embracing whether it's Asian American representation, like yeah, LGBT, we really started getting behind anybody that's basically uh, underrepresented. So women, LGBT, minorities, um, but even if you're like, like people are like, oh, what about, the white people are like, what about me? I'm listening too. Um, there's a lot of like uh, in the Bay Area, especially in kind of uh, the tech scene, the, the white people are in the majority, in the minority. They're the ones who are like, this town is run by Asians. They're the ones who are the CEOs and founders of all these startups. And I have a lot of Caucasian friends and they tell me they don't really, like they come to me because I'm like the, the like the white whisperer. So like Caucasian. <laughs> so they're like, yo, Andrew, like I go out to eat with my colleagues and uh, we have this food and they know I'm known for food. And I'm like, am I supposed to do this? A good example. There's this a dish uh, in dim sum called cheng fun. And if you're listening and you're the friend I'm talking about, I'm really sorry, but I'm not saying your name. <laughs> but he's like, Cheung Fun is this like a rice noodle like wrap and you, I have it with beef, but people have it shrimp and all these other things. And he said, hey, um, people laughed one time I poured this, uh, essentially he thought it was soy sauce, soy sauce in my Cheung Fun and I had it. And I didn't know what they were laughing about. And I felt like it was about me eating it wrong. And it was all my coworkers. I didn't know how to ask. So. Dude, I had this been bugging me forever. Were they laughing at me? And and why? Straight up asked me, serious question. I was like, almost like, I was dying a little laughing because I knew what was happening. But I also was like, man, he came to me. Of all the people, he didn't go to another Asian coworker. He came to me of all people in a random like just catch up chat. And I said, dude, you know what happened? Uh, first of all, you did not, the original sauce was not soy sauce. The original sauce is this like, uh, you know, lighter, it's essentially like lighter, like vinegar, soy mixture that is for chung fun. They saw you grabbing soy sauce, which is crazy, crazy salty. salty yeah. And you dumped it on as if it was nothing. And I'm sure you know this, but now this is where they, you know, I go equal doses of truth to each side. Uh, uh, they think uh, there's a stereotype that Asians have of, white people specifically, that they put too much soy sauce on everything, whether it's white rice or anything. It's just like, it's it's like just too salty. And we're always like, whoa, what are you doing with that much soy sauce on there? It's like an Asian culture has like this thing about that. And I've seen growing up with that, because I've done it myself. I'm like, whoa, that's too much soy sauce. Why do you have to have that much? Your rice is like black rice. But to them, to, to non-Asians, or to uh, specifically like white Americans who like that kind of saltiness, like it's normal, totally get it. But I knew that's what happened. And I was like, they were laughing at, oh, and astonished about what you did to your chung fun. That's what it was. He goes, oh, they were laughing at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry they were. They probably were. Cause they were like, whoa, who's gonna tell them that's not what you do. But nobody told you apparently. And to me, I hurt for him. I was like, dude, that's messed, that's fucked up. You have coworkers that didn't say anything. And so that was like why I kind of do this both sides. And so, and he works at a tech company in the Bay Area and where they go to lunch is like these 
He's, that does suck. Well, and, like, and how do you really, bring it up too? Yeah. It's tough. It's like because maybe you, you don't want to be like, "Hey, that's not how you do it." Yeah. Or like, because maybe he knows, and maybe he's yeah. just, like that. I'm yeah, trying exactly. to I'm trying to embody those coworkers. Who are like, maybe he knows exactly what it is, and this is just how he likes. But they didn't it. want to say anything, and that's what I thought too. I said maybe they were trying to be polite because Asians are like super stereotypically Passive. polite. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to be like that guy. But then he literally says, because I know how he felt. He goes but I think they were laughing at me. Mm. So from his perspective, they were laughing at him. So he somehow picked up that they probably were giggling like, whoa, that's a lot. Who's gonna tell him? So in his perspective, he still felt othered, but the other way, and he's a white dude. So that is why I would say it's anybody who's kind of in the minority. And that's actually why it goes back to where's the plane gonna land? Mm. Dialogue. Because the only one that is universal for every type of person, for or, or in this case, dialogue, uh, I would argue transparency, Vulnerability, the, the words that Boba Guys preaches, because those are the only places and platforms that the that the planes can land safely without being out of context. Like culture doesn't age well. Aziz and Sorry says that, right? Culture doesn't age well. What was normal in 1996 or something he shot when he was on Community or whatever it was in 2000 doesn't play well in 2018, 19. Well, that is true. Either things are probably I said that was really off color because it was normal back then, and now I can't make the same joke. And I try to correct, but if all of us had Twitter on us or live stream, and then we were, had our lives and s was caught saying what we said at 14, I don't know. Pretty, man. It wasn't, and that's why we have to learn how to have that conversation. We're like, okay, you don't say that again. Did you know what was wrong? Like, what if you break it down and you fully get empathetic? It's gonna just, the world's going to be a lot more, you know, a lot further. And the food world, this <clears throat> this podcast, everybody listening, food world is where it happens first. It's why the content moved in first. Representation happened in food generally first. I mean, the first time I even understood cultural divides at all was I, at school growing up when, you know, and I and I've, I feel for my like Korean friends when they would, they would tell me like, yo man, when like I pop open my kimchi and my yeah. lunch, like fucking everyone's like, oh God, what yeah, is that? It stinks. Well, to them it stinks because it's fermented, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, or like me growing up and my sack lunch, it wasn't like always a peanut butter and jelly. It would mm -hmm. be like hummus before hummus was tight mm, or yeah. like, you know, whatever this cucumber dip, but it's like white or lebna mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. it. And so you have to have that conversation and I'm guilty of it growing, now growing older, I almost overcompensate and forget that like, Yo, all right, my white friends, like, this is your turn to feel like, yeah, Yo, you fucking this shit up. Yeah, like, you yeah. know what I mean? And I'm guilty of that, and that's not proper Same. either. Mm -hmm. So it's like that ship that we're trying to write, sometimes we get too far on one side of that ship because, but there, you know, there are people just like us that, like, now, and again, depending on what circle mm -hmm. you're in, you could jump from being the minority to the yeah, majority. Exactly. And so, but yeah, it all kind of started with food when I first started noticing any real divide. Like, mm -hmm we all see color that bullshit if you say if you don't but like i really didn't understand like the actual differences between people until i saw what was like packed in lunches like that was how i started understanding oh like oh like they have this dope food in their lunch or this my school growing up it was like predominantly Where, white would you grow up uh in orange, county, in orange or county in orange uh -huh. and like it was i went to like my k-8 was like a white school but then um, you went to uci then which is then i went to uc well, my, in my high school where i met jeff yeah. is like predominantly asian it was and like Indian. 40 50 percent asian yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and so like that's where like again i'm thankful and i'm fortunate that i had experiences like my high school where i got to meet a ton more people because it's hard to shift blame on people who don't have the openness experience. Like yeah. when you talk about like being culturally versed and, and a world traveler, like people don't have, they don't have that. They, and by design, they just like unfortunately 
did not have that. So you're you're fortunate in that capacity. I'm fortunate that I got to meet so many people and it kind of opened it up. But who knows where my trajectory would have gone. Mm-hmm. And I think we that's what we have to be aware of when we meet new people that they might not have had whatever upbringing that you may or may not have been fortunate to have. So like they might not have had the opportunity to taste all the foods mm-hmm. that we may have had. And thus you're not theoretically as open to it and i think that's the problem of people too far on the left is like just not being open to people like that you're actually just as closed-minded sometimes and i'm guilty of that when i'm making a racist white joke like that is racist inherently Mm -hmm. but like i think i'm writing some sort of shit but that's not proper either damn it's a food podcast (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) they're gonna be a whole spinoff on this no, I, we do a part two soon. Nah, no, this is no. I love to. I mean, there's. I mean, I, actually, you get my co-founder. When my co-founder and I are in the same room, he because he's he's same similar thought as me, but he's a little he's a lot cooler, and so he's less <laughs> intense. And so usually it's a Kirk and Spock talking, and it's actually the four of us doing it. I think it would be fun, if, especially if we could like come some back endless loop. do our book <laughs> five hour. Can we come on your book tour? <laughs> actually, actually, we would love. Maybe you should host one of our book talks because in LA we have like three or four stops probably. We'd love and to. We moderate. Have you guys? You guys are professional moderators and, and facilitators. Love that actually because I we you can tell we love talking about this and I mean that last point. I mean I was I don't know where this ends, but like literally is almost like our mo because it's almost about being the center as i said earlier we actually did go over shame people and when you overshame, you can't again can't land there because it doesn't it it's still on an imperfect balance it's like the balancing the force it's like there's light and dark and all these different things and balance is about playing sadly in the middle and some people think oh that's not sexy enough that's not like out there enough i'm like no because we have to end the cycle and I've literally kind of maybe the the most visceral part, and maybe I don't even know where we land on it, but my a different uh, white friend once said to me, and it broke my heart, he said, uh, the reason why I said, how come you, dude, just come out to lunch. It was another, I was working in corporate. I was like, how come you don't come out to lunch with us? And he goes, you guys always go out to eat in these fancy places. I'm not used to that, that to be honest, so I'm, I'm not used to it. And I said, dude, I could totally like, like would love to, if, if you want to learn, we teach you, or like we could, have a good time you don't want to come to lunch it's kind of weird over just food like it's there should be other reasons like you can't make it because you have a meeting or something and he goes okay well let me just tell you he goes one somebody once said to me and he's, he's like opening his heart and it's my coworker. And he goes i don't have culture Fuck. so i because i'm like white because i'm like irish german da, da, da. he goes dude i don't want people to say that and so when i'm in food settings especially around you guys who mostly are, uh, I mean, my other friends are like Asian and, and uh, like Hispanic, essentially. And I was like, when the way you talk about a, a burrito or whatever and these spices are just different, or you make fun of me for not liking spicy food. And I said, I never did. He goes, no, no, but the it happens. other people, like I can't help spice. And I was like, well, why would I want to come out for that? And I was like, whoa. And that's, to me, it was before Boba Guys, it was in corporate. And I was like, so I carried a lot of that with me when we were designing Boba Guys, because we're like, we're trying to make something sustainable. I can't put our principles down on something that I think one day, someone like that's gonna come back and be like, yo, that what you said in 2019, it doesn't work in 2029. So I'm like, what are we gonna hang our hat on that I know will work in 2000, 
29. I'm like, I'm pretty sure everybody's gonna wanna have dialogue in 2029 and hash it out. I don't think that's like not gonna go out of style. So, um, Andrew, yeah. before the pod, you gave us a clear-cut example of when you went out of your way to kind of bridge that gap with someone who was in the in the media for I mean it just depends on on the wrong but are you open to talking about clean Chinese food for a second? Oh shoot. Yeah, because, we got the time? I mean, yeah. I'm just rolling cuz this conversation yeah. is so yeah. good. We're hey, this so might be, this it. might be a two-parter podcast, but yeah, I don't even know before, what to be So, like, let's go, before this, before we started recording the pod, you should just tell the story because I'm just going to butcher it. But can you tell us more about? Because there is, I don't remember her name, but we covered it here. There is, there was a woman in the Bay Area, I believe. She's in New York. New York she's, sorry, she's in mm-hmm. New York, and she created a restaurant called it Lucky Lee. It was Lucky Lee, but the the description was something related to this is clean and not quote clean clean Mm -hmm. asian food or clean Mm -hmm. chinese Mm -hmm. food and there was a huge uproar Mm -hmm. because she was a person that was caucasian and just call using the adjective clean uh, ariel her name is ariel she's technically jewish if and if she listens to this um i i don't mind sharing and i hope ariel if you're listening that you don't mind me sharing this part the parts that we can probably share but she is Jewish, but yeah, but for all intents and purposes, the public doesn't see her as like Jewish, which is part of her side of the thing. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a crazy story. I mean, I, it's, this happened earlier this year and I've never talked about it. And we were just talking about it because, well, it's not something we write about. It's, it's just, you, and people listening to the story will know why. And it's not something that I'm, I'm trying to be like, oh, I talked to Lucky Lee or Ariel and I like, look what I'm trying to do and trying to save the world. I'm not that way. That's why this, this story has been months ago and never talked about. I only mentioned it because today's news is this um, this viral video about a comedian on SNL doing a racist food, food content. So kind of with that being said, what the public knows is um, this is a True, this is full exclusive, so I'm trying to do it without getting anybody in trouble or whatever. So when that story broke, the Asian community, so you probably saw it, Jeff. I don't know if you saw it, are you like, no? I was holed up in a, in a room all day. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when that story broke, it went viral, viral, right? Like it was which like, story are oh, we talking about? Ch- we're talking which, Lucky Lee's Lucky Lee's. Oh, 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 yes, okay. I heard that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I mean, it's been Oh, a while, not today's, but... yeah. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> so Lucky Lee's story was super viral. It was on, I think, it wasn't even on New York Times, I think. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I had known people who had, we have stores in New York, and I kind of knew some of the people around that scene in her world, and she was a health and wellness blogger, and she, people were blasting her, and I was reading those comments. I was like, oh, I wonder what people think. I was reading Neck Shark comments. Our friend ben, Benny runs Neck Shark, so I was like, oh, I always go to him to see what the what Asians say, and then I was reading the New York Times comments and the Twitter. And it was going crazy, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm I, I kind of have a feeling about this, but I don't know, I don't know her, so I, I'm not, I don't want to say anything. So I actually didn't say anything for like the first two days, and then people were, and well, you, Eli, you were saying like we, it went over shaming. Yeah, it was almost personal attacks, and I was like, all right, all right, and then people were asking me in public, what's your take? I do a thing on our Boba Guys Instagram called What's Up Wednesdays that like 3,000 people kind of like watch every week and I kind of do it for small businesses. But really I have these hard questions and 
uh, not as hard as you, the ones you guys did today, but generally like hard questions, <laughs> like what are your mm -hmm. thoughts on Lucky Lee's? That was one of the questions that week. And I actually Oof. avoided it. I didn't actually, first time I actually truly didn't avoid a hot topic. Cause I actually, it wasn't I was avoiding it, I didn't have an answer. Cause I, my answer would have been, I didn't know her, I don't know her. Which wouldn't be satisfying. So I actually didn't do it. But then I happened to be in New York three and a half weeks later, I think, because it's the spring. And I DM'd her and and she she's like, hey, what's up? And she kind of, I think she knew roughly where we were. And so I was like, okay, uh, you want to meet? And I just, because people have been asking me and then uh, we have our own media presence and I just want to know before I form an opinion. That's all I wanted. And I and that's, I think, all my DM was. And she's like... Which is a pretty rough DM to get. I mean, yeah. look, I, I think you were very... You could have obviously said worse things, but for someone to be like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of gathering my intel and I want to know about you before I form a decision. That's what? a fucking heavy DM. It it's like a reporter like, yo, I'm about to drop this bomb. You want to give a quote is kind of yeah. like that, but it's coming out of nowhere. It's like, all right, this that's guy, actually oh. why I, I was going to see how she reacted. I, I mean, I, if we could pull up in real time, I might even pull it. So I'm not a, uh, I'm not a gonna. So basically what happened was I emailed, uh, her name is RL Haspel and um, people can Google this. So I was like, how, how is she? How is she nice? And all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to judge her. Um, here we go. Oh, I'll read parts of it right now. This is it right here. Dang. April 12th. I said, hey, we're the Boba guys. I'm sure you've heard of us. Obviously, we came across a situation and um, we, and I said, you might recall, you were the ones, we were the ones in New York Times Blobs article because New York Times, we were kind of like the target of this or inadvertently the target of something in the New York Times article. She, she might remember that saying, I know how it feels to be miscovered or misrepresented. Mm -hmm. And then, um, anyways, given we're all in the spirit of bridging cultures, and I said, a lot of people reach out to us for comment. And so that's, that's what my actual verbatim is. So before we write about it or talk about it, we wanna understand the situation from both sides. Um, and we happen to just be a topic that people come to us for. So it's kind of like the context. So yeah, when I was writing, I was like, oh man, is she gonna be like, who are you to judge me and all that? So I thought that, but if she said that, then I'd be like, that kind of person then isn't humble or vulnerable enough to handle it. So to me, it actually would have been perfect because then it would have been easy. I'd be like, I tried, but if they're humble and they kind of understand and I don't know, and let's give it a shot. And she did, she actually, to her credit, she actually responded she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm here. If you're in town, love to grab wow. a meal. So, I mean, her response, I don't want to say her personal stuff, but she responded, oh yeah, thanks for you so much. I'm here, let's connect, be well, Ariel. And I was like, I was like, I was like, oh shoot, okay. So I was in town like two two weeks later then, because I knew I was gonna be in town three weeks and met her and we had a great conversation. We talked for like three, four hours. And I honestly think she just didn't know. There was two parts of it. One was, I think, you know, and hopefully Ariel can can be okay because I think she, people should know this about her. She definitely felt horrible. She didn't know. So the worst, yeah, she didn't know. So people will say, oh, that's like, well, some people use the word ignorant. I'm like, no, I don't think she was ignorant. She just didn't know. Because on the flip side, she grew up, you know, in New York and stuff. It wasn't like she, Asian people reached out to her. You know, again, I, I, I know that because a lot of people, you don't. Know, yeah, they don't. They don't like, here's my culture, let me tell you about it. Let me, they just are condescending, like, you don't know? And like my other coworkers. So she reminded me of a, some of my old coworkers and friends that went through this stuff. That's why I sympathized with her. I couldn't empathize, but I could sympathize. So I was like, 
Okay, so when I talked to her though, then I was empathizing because I I don't want to, you know, like, sh it really, I would say she was hurt. I can think she would be, um, she wouldn't get mad at me if I said that. She was just, she was real and she owned it. She was very vulnerable. And that's, you know, Ariel, I, I uh, as you know, I love you. Uh, you were very vulnerable and she was, and I gave her, not, I gave her, it's not, I'm not like this gatekeeper, but to me and who people wanted my opinion about it. And that's why had I wanted to be the gatekeeper, I would have wrote about this when it happened. Now it's been so long that like, I just happened to be mentioning this in a conversation. This was like more than half a year ago. So I was just like, you know what? I believe you. I don't think you're making this shit up. Like, I just think she's a health and wellness blogger. She wrote about health and wellness, which if you know anything about that, they use the word clean all the time. So that word was it. But then she and I had nuanced conversations where I, I mean, the one that I think the public should know is, um, you know, people don't understand why, especially in today's news about, you know, um, the, the comic from SNL, is why uh, making fun of Asian people's language, especially like mispronunciations, is a bad thing. And there was like, oh, but it's a friendly pun. A lot of people are like, oh, it's an innocent pun. You know, like that guacamole thing is called new kids on the guac, ha ha, what a great pun. I'm like, well, that's spelling guacamole like the way guacamole spelled. But if you look at immigration and the history of American, especially when Chinese people were excluded, banned from the country, Chinese Exclusion Act, one of the only acts ever banning an actual race, kind of crazy, you know, a, 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 a century ago, like that, so language, let's just say, is a touchy subject for, in this case, Asians. She didn't know this, but at the time, I had explained to her, and she took it. She was like, she was like, you can do a lot of things. You could say, oh, you know, funny, you know, Asians and Jewish people historically have a lot of ties too. Like, I'm from Jersey, so I am like, I, you know, I know my, uh, they call Japs or JAP, Jewish American princesses. You know, I thought I was gonna marry one, all this stuff. So we had all these connections, and I was like, but I will tell you, this is hardcore. Real ethnic. So I was being vulnerable. I was like, I've been, and when I was growing up a kid in Jersey, people make fun of my parents' pronunciation. You know? Like, so when you say something that's a pun that's making fun of the way it's mispronounced, all it is is just reminding everyone, like, like, oh, you're of laughing. That moment. You're laughing at my expense. You know, New Kids on the Guac is clever. I don't think any person's like saying that's making fun of somebody. But I would say making something that's like a sign that she had. That, to them, is almost laughing at someone else's expenses because it's about a mispronunciation. It's why the, the viral video today was like saying, you couldn't say the word noodles. It was like noodles, right? Like, like that's not funny. Like, it's funny in supposedly people making fun mispronounced, but like, it's not even funny because it's literally at the ex sole expense of othering. And then in the context in today's viral video of, of the SNL comic, like that's straight up saying like, I'm better than you. Like there was no like, uh, there, in the, if, if, if the whole, there's a two minute clip online that's going viral. If there was any like uh, self, self-deprecating self humor in there, if there was like, oh, but I've, you know, I I kind of like grew up in this scene and, and I, I kind of love it. And honestly, Chinese food is my favorite food. I'm not just making fun of it, it is my favorite food. If he said anything like that, you kind of have a little bit of the edge taken off. But he's, it was in this barrage of insults. And at that point, no context is gonna save you. For Ariel, in contrast, she actually did have context. And I think that her, I, uh, some of the people helping her were Asian. I was like, oh, well, they should have done a better job. Yeah. But, uh, but other than that, like I said, you, you, 
you mean it. I believe you. Uh, the other funny one was not many people reached out to her. The other reason why she responded, because supposedly not many people reached out to her uh, that were Asian. And the joke, uh, she told me one other person was, was reached out and this was like uh, a Broadway actress. But um, she was from Miss Saigon. I was like, oh, actually, that's technically touchy for Asians too. She's like, oh, really? <laughs> she's like, she's getting like Asian 101 from this three hour sit down and conversation with her while I'm eating her like um, cauliflower uh, Kung Pao, which Kung Pao chicken, which was really good, I have to say. Well, I wonder who was reaching out. Was it like, what kind of, rep was it reporters and media? Because that's who talked probably, about it. Probably. And it, uh, were they Asian American? Were they white? Like who's, who's, who's writing this like, almost like you'll cancel this girl real quick. I don't know. And I, yeah. And I, and I, now uh, on record, I think we should, sh I think the, I think everyone overreacted. I think if there was empathy and dialogue, which it goes back to, it's where we're on land that would have helped the whole situation because you you would have had none and nobody really gone into kind of like kind of engage with her i honestly think she if i were her i'd be like like against like like i'd, I'd have like a chip on my shoulder against asians for my entire life because i got blasted by some honest mistake yeah. to me i felt like but she, again, knowing her, she's not like that. I mean, uh, it, she doesn't get credit. There's so many things I could say that's more personal, but that's out of respect for Ariel, like like Ariel. She she's. But the one thing that I'll say that was objective because it was that I could say, and I know she wouldn't mind, is like I said, we had this long ass conversation, and you could tell how deep we went because I literally talked about, uh, you know, disrespect of tone and Miss Saigon and all this stuff, and. And she goes, well, that was real. And I was like, I didn't want to also come off like ultra left and too woke, right? Like you don't want to get overwoke and out progress everyone. That's also very annoying. And so I was like, you know, I'm not here to like lecture you. I really wasn't. Like we just had a great conversation. She was like, oh, I know, I know. This is three hours flew by. Really, it was three hours. And I was, and I ate her stuff in front of her, and I was like, awesome. And I was like, I need to eat healthier because, because um, I myself, I'm surrounded by like. Uh, a lot of uh, salt and in 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 certain things. So not just Asian cuisine. A lot of cuisines have a lot of salt, but that was one. So she and I were giving real tips. So she gave me real tips, and then she, and I said, "Hey, next month is Asian Heritage Month. Did you know that?" She goes, "No." So that's how I knew nobody tells her like they, her Asian friends just didn't or a few just didn't have many. And it's not her fault. That's not her fault that she doesn't have many Asian friends. Just like it's not my fault. I don't have many like whatever. Pick your pick your um, part of the world. Part of the world, yeah. yeah. Like South African, I don't know that many people in South Africa. So, I think she actually. Um, so I said, come to this panel I'm doing, and uh, it's a it's all Asian chefs and food people. And uh, if you want to learn, if you like this conversation, so you don't so you don't have to walk on tippy toes and ask and text me all the time and like, is this okay? Because I. And she goes, I was just trying to crack a joke. And she was like, oh, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll try and make it. So a month later, this is in Asian Heritage Month, like mid-May, mid she comes out. I didn't know she was going to be there. I was like, I actually kind of forgot I invited her. I texted her like the, the, um, the time and event, but I forgot. In the corner, in the middle of the talk, I literally catch her. And I'm like, honestly, not to be like I was like proud or anything. It was just like. Yo, this is how humanity works. I literally had that moment. I never even told her to this day. Cause uh, afterwards she said hi and she had to run cause she has a kid and all that kind of stuff. So I was just like, you know what? And you know, she's an influencer, right? So she she actually has a well-known 
um, wellness blog. It's why she started this whole thing around wellness because that's what she's known for. She just wanted to make a wellness Asian one to me. To, that's how I saw it, thought thought of it. So she had to run. She's super busy. She took time every day and she li she listened to Asian people talk for ninety three minutes <laughs> on a panel. And we had all these inside jokes because I didn't re see her until like halfway through. She was in the back. It was like a, you know one hundred two hundred people. So I was just like, oh shoot. I even think if I remember correctly during the talk. I hinted, I said, we can't blast people, we can't overshame. We have to have dialogue. And I nodded at her because I was like, that was for her. Because I to me, that's that was that situation to this day was living proof that I would say not our method, but this this dialogue, this this boba guy's like this culture works. It's not about blasting people. Now, like if it's like today's SNL guy, like today, right before I was coming, I, I did say something because that, he talked about food. Once you talk about food, I, I, we come in the picture, Asian food especially. So everybody was already tagging us. I was like, oh, fine, I'll say something. So I did a quick tweet and I did basically say, not cool. I called them out. And then because we know people, whether it's in SNL or people at NBC, we could, there's enough clout, you could do something about it. And his apology was definitely not an apology. Jeff and I, you and I were talking. Yeah. Apology is like the weakest apology ever. I'll say on record, that is not how you apologize. He was just like, sorry if I'm, you're offended. That is never, I mean, I've been married, I've, so I have to learn how to apologize really well. <laughs> 11 years, yo, you never apologize by saying, I'm sorry if you felt that way. That's not a real, that's like half ass. it's not even half-assed, it's not apology. That's what he did. And I'm not trying to cancel him, because I don't, again, I don't truly believe in cancel culture, but I'm like, yo, dialogue wins. So here's literally what I said. I, I texted to my team because um, I kind of, my team has been asking usually about this stuff. They was like, what's your response? What are your, what's your hot take? And I was like, here's the deal. If he gets, if, if he really apologizes and he reaches out and he says, I now know why, then I do think you, you gotta be like, well, he's a writer at SNL. Like, of course he's gonna like have some clout and maybe he can be, he can turn a leaf. That's generally okay. And we're not even talking about freedom of speech here. He literally says things that like no side on left or right would like hearing. It's just straight up, I would, it is racism what he said. And I never use that word, That, but that is straight racism. And it's racism, sexism, racism is always to the, the people at the target. They get to call it what it is. Not a, not a person in power, the people who are the targets of it get to say what racism is. Enough people, it can't be one though but it has to be a group. And there's millions of people who are saying it's legit racist. So then I'm like, now it's, it is racist. You know, it, can't, it can't be, oh, it's just a joke. Oh, I was just trying to push the boundaries. Chappelle pushes the boundaries. Aziz pushes the boundaries. Those are legit comics. You're an SNL writer. You can't say, oh, it's shitty writing. You're writing for SNL. You know what you're saying on that podcast. You, you need to like be more responsible. Say I need to be better. You're gonna be working in New York City. Say I'm a New York comic. I'm surrounded by Asian people. You can't throw shade, That not even shade. That's not straight shade. That's like straight up bomb on, on Asian culture like that. You know, because your viewers, even if you know what you're saying, your viewers don't know, your listeners don't know. And I said, you're not correcting or even saying how you really felt and your half-assed like response to it on the internet, that is not gonna be great. So dialogue. So people are like, well, even listeners are like, well, Andrew, what is your take on dialogue? You talk about culture and dialogue this whole time. Well, here's the take. The take is where where you're gonna use it is, all right, you said it. You said it on podcasts, you said your apologies, you said it. So here's our dialogue. You just listen. Don't say, don't respond. Sit your ass down. Let the let the community that, that was targeted tell you how they feel and shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And if you can handle that, 
Now it's equal. That's You did your one way. You did that podcast when no Asian was in the room and you just made fun of them. No one was there to stop you. You didn't apologize. Fine, that's your one way. Here's our one way. That's my retort. And now let's have a conversation. The conversation is dialogue. But you just say like, well, let's just have a conversation now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to feel it because you won't change. You know, he just, I mean, not, I don't know this guy. So, but I've done this enough. And there's so many of these examples where, oh man, I didn't get into it. Because of our profile, like so many people have reached out to us and I, I can name like 20, 30 versions of this. But the ones in the news are the New York Times, the, you know, a little bit of this aerial uh, version. But like more and more, when we talk to people, almost 99% of the time, we have great conversations like like the, in Lucky Lee and all them. And that's why I think, it's not like, again, oh, we gave her a co-sign, you know, look, she needed, you know, Boba Guy's approval. It's not like that at all. I'm just saying not many people talk to her. And so her story needs to, her side of the story needs to get out. And this is it. And I, I think she's an ambassador. She, I will say that, you know, I think thankfully people, not just me, but the other, the Miss Saigon girl, other people reached out <laughs> and uh, kind of like was saying, you know, like just, be very aware, you know, like you're gonna do this again. Just, and people look up to you. And on top of that, you're an influencer. So just, do you, people, you don't want people to be like, well, you, that girl from Lucky Lee said this. That's because then you're gonna make it normal and okay. You're not, you can't do that. And um, the one thing I'll kind of maybe even like end that story on is because um, I've used this before. And I said, well, she goes, well, I just don't relate. And, and, and I, I need to help understand. I said, can I? I'm gonna step out of line here, and I'm gonna even say this on this podcast, which can be slightly kind of like towing a fine line here. As I said, I'm a dude, right? And she goes, yeah. And it's like, and I know you. I read, I read your blog or your Insta, and I know you're all about you know women empowerment. Right? I'm a dude. Ask my wife. I'm happily married, 11 years at the time, 10 years. Um, I love women, it sounds weird, but I love women. Like, I love women, and I wanna make a women's center. I wanna create like a club for women. Let's say I want to do all of that because I wanna honor women. I want to, do you think I have the cosign from all women just because I love women, because I'm married? Because I have a, a woman friend? No, you have to somehow, I have to, you have to somehow believe that I did my homework and I tried and I didn't just gloss over it. And if you still don't think I earned the respect to start this woman's organization, then I can't complain and say, I don't have, I shouldn't do that. You know, I need I need some co-signers. I need people who actually uh, legit bounced off ideas off of to kind of get that co-sign. So I'm just saying you didn't have the Asian one. Now, if you had, if you text, if you were like, I don't know, if you knew Eddie Huang and David Chang and all those, the, the godfathers, and you were like, yo, I just wanted this, you know, I'm a, I just wanna run this concept because I know, you know, all these other chefs and you know Gordon Ramsay and um, what's his name, J uh, Andrew Zimmern got in the news recently and uh, they got some shit for blasting Asian food and you're like, I don't know, but uh, what are your thoughts? And you have exchanges and you show the dialogue and she still comes out with the, what she, then I think she would have had a different answer because the story would have been there. It's like, I know, I hear all the feedback. This is what it is. And then that really, I think resonates with people because I've said that about like, um, you know, people are like, well, can you can you uh, do Jewish food or can you do like kosher food or uh, can you do Middle Eastern food? And I'm like, dude, look, one of the most popular chefs right now to this day is a Korean chef who makes Japanese food.
David Chang. The other one, these are like my my like food idols. You have another one that is a Korean chef that makes essentially Mexican Latin food, Roy Choi. Like, and then you have you have Eddie also like doing kind of street street Eddie Huang doing street style, and those are I think the, like the godfathers of the industry. They're the pioneers that made me. Boba guys, who it is because of them, and I'm like. I don't know. I feel like there's something in there that lets it change, but like we're not. Some pass, some don't. So what is the mechanic of that passing? And I do think more and more we're getting closer to like a litmus test. And to me, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's about maybe attribution. It's about like doing your homework. It's about saying here's why I did it this way. And if you still explain it and you still come off appropriating, well then maybe at that point, or not appropriating, but like like objectifying or being ignorant. Well, at that point, like there just was a bad concept. You shouldn't have done it. Um, but for the most part, I think most concepts play in the middle where we're like, uh, I think it's the Bruno Mars. It's like, they, they give a ton of respect. I'm just trying to make it my own. I'm a wellness expert trying to make my version of it. There was no shade and even no, and I apologize, maybe I was ignorant, but I just didn't know. But that's 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 my that's my two cents. I'm, exci- I'm excited for the next podcast because we're like, I have a, I was gonna ask a question and and I shouldn't because we're like really long, but the next podcast talking about empathy and dialogue at a time period where media formats are the shortest ever, people are having less face-to-face conversations, Mm -hmm. like how to get that empathy and dialogue at a time where I think people aren't, or just aren't, aren't making that time yeah. for that three hour conversation, going out of their comfort bubble, going off outside of Instagram and being like, I should actually meet this person randomly in a cafe and talk to them. Mm-hmm. When was the last, when was the last time you heard of something like that? I, I'm serious. Like it's it, that it's it, badass. It, it, it takes people going out of the 2019 safe zone and being like, yeah, maybe still using the Instagram technology to DM and set up the something because we are more accessible than ever. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like you commenting on someone's Instagram post about how woke you are, like doesn't so- doesn't solve it. No. What's ill is you did that and like it wasn't for any sort of like it's not. There's no actual like there's no beneficial reason for you to do that other than yeah. you're just being a good dude that like was like damn I just need I need to learn more about this and thus that good conversation happened. You wanna know, I'll give you, I'll end this whole segment, that part, and maybe the, the, the podcast. Yeah, land what the plane it, for us. <laughs> is, I honestly, there's one selfish piece. It's because I'm very curious about how it all works. Because I'm, I'm a, very analytical, if you can't tell by now, but like, I was just very curious of like, what caused that misinterpretation on the media side or the public, and why, sh- uh, in this case, a person thought that way. And uh, again, there's not to, there, I've been in this situation, versions of this like 20, 30 times now. And uh, and I hope I'm sharing one because I'm not trying to say, oh, look, here are the 19 other stories and look how great we are. But I think the one, because it's public and it's great and it illustrates kind of the principles of it. It's it's when I, I was learning, I was like, cause it now it built my kind of like, Reaction. So I I have less and less of a knee jerk reaction, and I think that actually over time is a better thing because you don't want like you don't want to like um, yeah you don't want cancel culture you don't want to like, cancel too fast because you do too many of it's crying wolf you're like oh shoot like that guy was uh, it was he was he wasn't that bad compared you know everyone wants to like not 
supposedly people don't want to recall uh, or they want to like Al Franken. He's like, oh, cancel him too fast. You know, the senator, right? And I was like, well, I mean, he what he did was not a great thing. So I was like, but people are even having regrets. And I'm like, well, then if you have regrets, maybe maybe you shouldn't you should have done it like with the actual procedure and process. Um, and I think that's what we miss. We miss like it's overnight this whole thing blows up and you lose your entire career. And I'm like, well, if people have a good track record, the body of work speaks for itself. So like in this case, I think the person I was talking about, Ariel, has a great track record. So she misstepped on this one thing, but she knew wellness really well and she was very great at that. She just did it because she picked a cuisine that had like very sensitive topics. Well, like that, that's not, it's, it's, a, it's the, just the product of the situation. And I think we don't really take a step back and we are just like constantly like on edge and like trying to blast everybody. And then I know why, because the internet makes it easy. And of course, if it's easy and it makes you feel good, you're gonna want to do it more. So you get like blasting people and canceling people is, I could see the dopamine kick in, mm. but it, it's not it's not fun. So when people, so not whenever like everybody listening and eating after this podcast, you're like, well, that was a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's you're like three, three car what, rides what, later. Is this fucking Joe Rogan? Did I accidentally <laughs> I go on there? <laughs> this is, well, I love listening to Joe Rogan and I get a lot of my kind of, I don't say centrism, my balanced thought of the way he handles it. And, and the other one is Eddie. Like Eddie, I, he's like I see he's like my big bro. Again, it's not to name. It's just people know on Instagram. Like I'm, I, I like uh, I'm close with Eddie, and I think Eddie had that whole uh, Vice video a long time ago where he was like talking to this racist guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah was that was good. crazy. That was crazy. Crazy. I was like, what? I was in that room. I remember watching that for the first time. I was like, holy crap! I don't know what I would have done. And it was before I learned how to talk and build up the tolerance or patience. I like not tolerance, patience. And now. Like people even hearing this, he's like, you hear shades of kind of like who I look up to, like shades of Eddie talking, shades of David and, and kind of the theory of uh, ugly, delicious and, and major domo kind of topics. And then shades of kind of you hear, I, I'm a huge Hamilton fan, like shades of like Lin-Manuel Miranda, like those are kind of like my style and ethos of talking and, and thinking and maybe a little bit of Barack Obama. Like I like, those are the people I look up to. A lot of people look up to him, so I'm not saying anything new, but I think that once you have that lens, people are like, oh, that's a serious topic for two, two, almost maybe two and a half hours of talking. Yeah, it is. But then, and you're like, well, that's going to make me look at my phone a different way. And I'm like, well, it is and it isn't. Once you get through that, you will see, you will enjoy your pho, your, your guabal, your boba, your, we have a restaurant group, so I talk a lot about food too, because we have a, we have a chef that's one of them, Dookie Hong. All of those things become actually much more colorful and tasteful. You will notice uh, a mala uh, spice note when you know what mala spice is, like mm. a Szechuan uh, mm. spice, uh, and, or a lot of special food, and like um, a peppercorn. Like you'll know uh, what a ghost pepper or certain types of hot chilies in Latin food when you know what it is, you'll be able to then taste it. People think you can't, when you know what it is and you've heard about the background, you'll taste it. You're like, oh, that food was because of, in Sichuan because it was so fucking hot in Chengdu or uh, parts of this China. And that's why that food is so hot. And you think about the climate and da da da. And then you're like, why am I always like breathing? Like, like, like having like Lamaze class, like, like he, like he, like that kind of like breath. Well, it's because it's so hot. How else are you going to cool down? That's why spicy food works. Then you then enjoy your spicy food differently. Mm. And that is why 
we, we, we kind of are on this kind of like, I don't know, like gospel, but like it's, that's why it is the way it is. And I don't think enough people, Americans especially, do not think this way. M not many. Maybe your podcast, actually, this podcast, I'm sure if you listen to food-based podcasts, you probably are pretty savvy. But then the theory that we kind of gave in this is probably what you use to help spread the gospel of it. Because I think that's where most people don't know how to share it. Because if they have a friend speak out of turn or they have their friend like say some off color thing, sometimes we're just being good friends and being shy. And I'm like, sometimes being a good friend is also saying, uh, that's fucked up. Here's another way to think about it. And maybe that framework is stuff that we said today. You heard it here for fatties. <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, it's I was good, like, right? Yeah. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> Fatty spreading the gospel. We, we, yeah. I think uh, yeah, we can. I have a feeling this, we turn this into a whole a series. <laughs> uh, let let us know if we can join you on your book tour. We'll probably be there anyway, just to support. Yeah. So um, you have my word. I mean, we do interviews, as I said, for accountability. So you have our word that. Uh, for sure, whatever, if availability, you should definitely moderate because I think our book tour would be about this and there's very few food people like in, that can handle and moderate this and make it fun and entertaining. Like like breaking tension, like what we were. I mean, I'm not wearing pants. Can I do that? Can I do that? I'm Asian. My shoes are off. Like we're gonna be at Barnes and Noble. Like fucking, I'm just in my underwear. Jeff's gonna be wearing a suit. And then this is a true. I swear, God, this is a true concept. One of our, our kind of like promotion marketing plan. I actually wanted to do talks uh, with uh, slippers and my shoes off. Swear to God, uh, you can you because we did one. Oh, I get it. We, yeah, yeah. Well, Asian, sorry. <laughs> if you didn't know, bridging cultures, Asians take their shoes off in their house, and when because of I don't know, they just if you haven't heard, uh, if you go to Asian person's house, wear good socks because you're gonna take your shoes off. So, anyways, during the podcast, uh, during um, the tour, we actually uh, the concept is like like shoes off, and so we would go around tour. Uh, if we did a late like a late night show, we think we're, we hopefully we're gonna teach one of the late night hosts how to make boba, uh, or even a morning show. I actually do it in, in Asian slippers if the, and then you can pan down because I'd be like, this is like Asian, like I want it like cult. That's like real cult to me, real culture. Yeah. It's not even a stereotype because then the conversation would be like, well, why is it that way? Because then dorm, it goes back to me. I had a roommates that were not Asian in my first year in school, and like they always asked. Why do you like care so much about like that? And one of them wore their shoes in bed, and I was like, "If you guys wear your shoes in bed, that's just yo, that's just your serial killer, dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta be up and running. If that, why else, yo, y'all played a new NBA 2K? The only thing I could think about is all the basketball players in it. Like their story modes, they're all wearing their sneakers in bed. I was like, oh yeah, fuck, yeah. How the fuck did you grow up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't take my shoes off when I walk in my house. It's like not a thing uh, in Middle Eastern culture, but like it's. I still think it's psycho to wear it in bed. You went to UCI, so there's a, there's a little bit of that that Asian. I bet you went to someone's like apartment and you had UCI friends who were yeah. like, you know, everybody in Irvine probably took their shoes off. I bet you in, in Irvine. No, even white people will take their shoes off at Irvine. <laughs> you can go to like the mall, was it South Coast? Or you probably go to the mall with your shoes off. around in their socks. And you, you drive in the car and you look at the bottom of the socks still white. Like it's like so like clean. I, I think... Yeah, it, but things like that, I think that's what we're trying to do. I mean, that's why this pod, I love, I mean, I, like, I'm looking, thinking already what we said in this podcast, and I'm like, dude, this is like heavy culture, because like, there was a lot of fun stuff, and then they're like, real, like, whoa, that was serious, and I'm like, well, now, now you know why certain people are offended, Yeah, and think about it.
Yeah. Yo, y'all leave a review in the podcast yeah. store. That'd be fantastic. Share this on Insta stories and I will shout you guys out like I do every week. Um Yo, thank you for thank you Andrew, for being th- here. Thank you so much Appreciate for being you, here, man. man. It is awesome. No, yeah. thank you. Thank you guys for sure. What you guys do, seriously. Like all the guests, not just me, everybody who's come on the show. What you guys are doing, like I really think it's like gonna change it is changing a lot of like the dialogue around food and culture across the board. I mean you, you before me you had Bobby, right? Like Bobby and then uh, Alfred, like you have people that are lifestyle culture. So I mean, it's not food people; it's just lifestyle. I mean, we're we're thankful to have you guys and and follow Boba guys on Instagram. Uh, you your personal Instagram? What's uh, that? I do. Well, Boba you? guys is kind of where most of the the straight laced Boba content is. But B O B A G U Y S. Mine is is Ch- my last name is Chow Chow Million. It's Chameleon, but C H A U, Million. Yeah, sick I, dog. Yeah. Was that your AIM screen name? That was swear it was. <laughs> nah, you know what my other one is? I'll give you another last exclusive. My other. <laughs> oh yeah, please bless us with your ICQ handle. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna give you my ICQ number. Eight four one nine. Okay. Uh, what, what? I was a drop. Somebody, somebody asked me, and I didn't want to say because it was embarrassing. But given where, the way this ended, I'll end. My handle was LL Cool A, and it was like so stupid. I don't know what I was thinking back then. I was like so dumb, but I was like, I didn't even know what LL stand for. I think it's now Ladies Love Cool James. I just thought I was like, I, I thought it was hard, but I was such a nerd. So I was like, oh, what are you? Oh, I'm LL Cool A. So it was so, I had pager code. My my pager code handle was LL, was 77. So I was. Thank you for the ending with the hard hitting <laughs> All right. You guys free it. Drop a gem, man. <laughs> Follow at Jeffrey Kutnick on Instagram and Twitter. You guys can uh, hit me up on AIM. I'm Scream5962. I love the movie Scream. And until next week, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Bye. you guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>